Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Today we have a special episode of the SDR Disco Core vidcast and podcast. Hello listeners, watchers, subscribers and fans. Welcome to another chapter episode of the SDR Disco Core show. If this is your first time ever joining in or listening or watching, this show is all about helping brand new SDRs. And my job is to be a host and bring you great guests. And with these guests, these are people from the tech sales industry, whether they're in the role, but sometimes we bring on people that are helping people in the role as well. And this guest is no exception. So this person is somebody that I have a lot of respect and time and love for because of what they are doing for the tech sales industry. And I'm actually working with a few of their colleagues as well in the past few months, and they've been guests on this show as well. But guests, could you please introduce yourself? Who are you and where are you from? Yeah, so um, Omar, one of the co-founders of Trainio, um, in terms of where I'm from, where I'm based, I'm well, based out in Birmingham, best city in the UK. Love it. We've got a Brummie on the show. Uh, and Omar, uh, you said that you're one of the co-founders for Trainio. What does Trainio do at a high level? So on the back end, the whole purpose and mission of what we do is to try and help people from all backgrounds break into the tech sector, starting with sales. We've got a big belief around leveling the playing field and make sure that opportunities are fair and equal for everyone, no matter your background, your education, where you're from, the country, everything should really be on a level playing field. So on a high level sector from a social perspective, that's what we do. Love that. So to kind of summarize that, so you're helping people from any sort of background or diversity to get into tech sales, and you guys are helping those people get into this great career. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Love it. And you can understand why, uh, guests and listeners, why we're having you on the show. Uh, And a general reminder for our listeners, watchers, and subscribers, if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, please make sure that you give us a like, rating, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please give us a like, comment, and subscribe down below. And if you've got any questions for the guests, put them in the comments and we'll send them to them. So, Omar, outside of tech sales and working at Trainio, what do you like to get up to? What floats your boat? What are your hobbies and passions and interests? Um, well, since starting Trainio, I don't really get a chance to do anything else. <laughs> and, right, you don't, life goes back. But um, I still go gym. That's like my thing. Uh, I go gym pretty much every day. Weights. Um, that's like what I really enjoy doing. I used to play football a lot when I was younger, but injuries galore like my knees and everything hurt now <laughs> older, so I don't get to play as much as, as I used to so now it's pretty much just work and then I'll I'll go gym every other day and, and, and train that's kind of like how I de-stress and and why I enjoy doing some nice train yo see what I did there I love that all right sir. so um and also just out of curiosity so for somebody that comes from Brum working in this sort of industry when friends and family ask you, Omar, like, what is an SDR or what is tech sales? How do you simplify it for them? Oh, no one knows what it actually is. <laughs> yeah. The simplest way to really say it is you work in, like, software sales and mm. technology sales or you work in a technology company. Um, it's very difficult to explain it, like, 
to outside people. Um, yeah. The easiest way to do it is just I sell technology. That's the simplest way that I can probably put it. I love that. And then when they ask you, so what do you do in that? How do you explain and simplify it to them? Oh, that's another that's another topic, right? I think <laughs> I don't well, for, for friends of family still don't know what I do really. I think I'm a bum or I just would you <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that's why they believe my mom says it's the tail time. Um in terms of what I do, I just like, now I'm just at a point where I've got a technology company and we help people from different backgrounds break into tech and we have a couple of platforms. That's what pretty much we do. And most people just switch off and say, okay. <laughs> love, love the honesty, dude. Thank you so much. Um, so as most of our watchers and listeners know, at this point of the show, we go into our guest's LinkedIn profile. Uh, and as a reminder, you can always check out our guests uh, via the show notes because we'll put in their LinkedIn profile URL so you can connect with them. You can check them out if you want to reach out to them and ask them any questions based off what you're hearing or listening today feel free to do so. Uh, and with Omar, with your LinkedIn profile, you guys are really pumping out some really cool content at the moment. Like you've got this cold calling show going on with Benjamin and the team as well. So guys and girls, highly recommend checking out Omar's content alongside Trainio. They've got some freaking amazing stuff and I absolutely love it. But coming to yourself, Omar, and like your career, you've had pretty much a colorful career. You've been in different sort of projects and backgrounds and industries and, you know, coming up to being a co-founder in your own tech company. Could you walk us through, like, in your own words, like, how did it begin? How did you get into this passion of sales? How did you yeah. work through these companies? And how did you end up, you know, launching your own tech company, dude? Yeah. So do you want to go right from the beginning? Let's take it way back, dude. Okay, okay. They're really, I mean, when I talk to a lot of other people and, you know, really smart people, there's always, like, a really logical flow in their careers. That is the reason why they did this, they did this. With me, I don't really think that was the case, right? Mm. Um First sales role was a door-to-door commission sales role. That was when I was like in between like sixth form and like university, right? Well, I wasn't going to yeah. go to university. I was, I was 18. My friend was doing this sales job. He was like, yo, like, come do it. And I was like, all right, safe. Let me just do it. Yeah. Um, when it was door-to-door selling Sky, commission only. Uh-huh. You know, 7 a.m. wake-ups, getting, getting home at 12, knocking on doors all day. Grind. Um, but I loved it, man. Like, yeah. it was. And they brainwash you a little bit, right? You go in and there's all this energy and it's like, wow. And I was just like, wow. I was, I was, I was, I was, to turn that to hours, I was quite good at it. Mm. First week, I made nothing. So I was working like 50 hours, 60 hours, made nothing. But then the second week, I think I made like a grand. And wow. That age was like, whoa. Like, and then That's I, a lot of money. I was like, whoa, like I'm ringing the bell and I'm making, I, mean, I think in a month, I must have made, I made about 15, 1600 pound all in. Like for me, that was like, what, you're 17. You're like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, if I remember correctly but I was like yo I want to do this forever and no one to leave my dad was like nah you can't you mm. do this to your entire life then mm. university etc et um, so begrudgingly I was living at home at the time so you kind of got to do what you, your parents say yeah um, so left uh, after about four I think about five six weeks Um, went to uni for a year didn't really do anything just but we back in back them days we did I don't know if you remember we used to get grants and stuff mm, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I got about three, three or four grand in grants and loans and just spunked it all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like five for the year. Uh, then my dad was like, "Well, you're not doing nothing, are you?" Um, and I was like, "No." So then went into so now I was like getting going to work. Did an apprenticeship for a really big company in Birmingham called Wesley, and that was it's like everyone in Brom knows it. it's a really big building. Mm. They do, but they know they've got one of the nicest buildings in, in the city centre, right? Went there to do an insurance apprenticeship. Um, hated it. Like, it was just rubbish. Like, the mo- it wasn't even about the money. It was shit. It was just, 
I was doing nothing. I was on a database, entering things in. Um, I was scraping gum off a table. I think that was the last straw. Like, <laughs> it's a trend in my career, right? Where I just get pissed and just leave places. I do that. I was like, forget this. I ain't doing it. Hammer always yeah. doing. Um, got bollocked at home for that. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, you know, I can't do nothing. Yeah. So then, uh, I thought, I'm going to go back into sales. So I made the intention to go into sales. So then Got you. went to the job center. I said, I'm not going to sign on. Just give me all of your sales jobs, and I'm just going to go and hammer them. Nice. They gave me a list of about 50 sales jobs, right? Um, they're like, well, you want all these? I'm like, no, that's what I want to do. Don't worry, I'll sort it out myself. Because job centers don't actually help you, right? They don't know about the CVs. They don't know about anything. Like, don't mind. Um, applied to all of them. Got a job at um, it's like a startup selling an online magazine company. Okay. Um, probably a bit of a boiler environment. I don't think my subscription numbers are real. I don't think what I was selling. <laughs> uh, but it was just pure cold calling, right? Cold calling like hotels, tour operators, anyone in the travel industry. Back in the day, we had a phone, like a, a hand phone, right? You know, yeah, your spreadsheet. Go on Google, get your numbers, call up the, the main office, and just hammer through, right? So I did that, um, really enjoyed it again, did, did, did well there. But the first month was tough. First month, like, I didn't get any sales, right? I was just about to get sacked. They kept with me because they thought I had something, right? But then I was, um, this day I was going to get sacked. But then I managed to close, like, a 250 deal with some Mexican company with a guy that always speak English, right? I always remember that. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and then I became, like, their top seller. So when we joined, it was, like, three of us, the two two MDs, one of the sales guy, a part-time journal, a part-time entity that couldn't afford anyone in the tiny office. Uh, when there was a top seller, it was just smashing it. It was just like, it was a boy environment. I'm not saying it was like, but that was raw sales, like you're on the fold. Yeah. I was just pretending to be whoever I needed to be to get the sale in, getting the revenue in, right? We moved offices like three or four times. We did pretty well, but it was always capped. Um, mm. And I was kicked off with the owners there at one point. I was like, partly my fault, but partly their fault. So. <laughs> kicked off with the owners again, handing my notes in. And this time I was like, I was living on my own. So then I never had no savings. Yeah. For reason. So then I had two weeks to get a job. If I didn't get a job, then I wouldn't be able to pay my rent the next month, right? Yeah. So the luxury of, like, chilling. Yeah. So then I was like, all right. I had my notice. I was like, fuck do I do? Yeah. Um, so then I heard recruitment was good money. There's no logical. You see, there's no real logical flow. Um, in between that as well, I did try my own business, like my own travel magazine business, which uh, took my brothers on board. Didn't work out because I was the only real salesperson there, and you're covering that. I learned a lot from that, to be fair. So mm -hmm. I did have to still work out. Then went back there. And then, so, so if we pause you there, because there's quite a lot of, like you said, it's not been like a, a linear sort of path and you've gone through like a shit ton of different experiences there, dude. Yeah. If it's all right to just kind of unpack a couple of those before we, yeah. we continue with that, it'd be all right. So you raise a really valid point about, you know, the job center. So, you know, a young guy going into the job center, you're asking for a list of all the sales jobs. I'll go handle this myself. And you said, you know, they're not really helping you out that much in terms of CV, et cetera, et cetera. And that does remind me of like being a young dude. And when I wanted to get, because I, you know, I left college, I didn't go to university. I had to go job hunting. And it was a very daunting thing for a young individual who just got his national insurance card yeah. and trying to figure out the working world and going into this job center. I remember they used to have these massive LCD computer screens where you type in what you're trying to look for, prints out some carbon copy crap paper yeah. of the jobs you're going through there. Like... I don't know how many people still go to a job center looking for jobs compared to like going on to an online job board and stuff like that. But yeah. for somebody that's been through that experience and maybe a young individual is listening to this show today, they're thinking about the job center. What advice would you give to that person when going into something like a job center or a job board? To a job center, um, mm. hound them. The, the issue is 
you, you with the the jobs and the people, I don't. It's not necessarily their fault. One, they're underpaid. Two, they're not trained on how to write CVs. They're not trained on how to teach you to interview or how to actually apply to jobs. That's not what they're trained on. Mm. They just uh, kind of just paid not enough money. Administration, get in, get out. Right. Yeah. So don't go there with an expectation where they're actually gonna actually help because they don't have the skill set to do so and it's not their fault mm. but the job center isn't a place to teach people how to get into work it never has been right yeah system where you can get your gyro and your money and they pay people minimum wage to just go in there and man the offices basically so i will not go in there seeking any advice or anything mm. go in there see what jobs maybe they've got on the job board um but seek your advice and how to apply and in other sources like the, and I wouldn't even take the advice from the job center people, I'll be honest. Mm. Because the advice they give you, where's it coming? Like, it's shit. So, like, yeah. don't listen. I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't even say, just go there, get your gyro, see what jobs they got, and, and get out. Like, yeah. no. not, it's not relevant. I, I agree with you because I remember like, I used to work um, within housing benefits and we used to connect with the DWP and like job centers and stuff like that. And it used to be a very like seeing people come in to you know claim their state benefits and then look for jobs and they would come to these interviews with me saying I'm looking at this job and this job and I'm like why are you going for these sort of roles and jobs and they're like because it just pays a wage but there was to your point nobody counseling or coaching them what to look for how to specify a job that they want yeah you're very right in that sense and then moving you know to the next point of you know you're going into these sales roles you're cold calling you're selling ma magazine subscriptions you're closing your first thing and a lot of people that come into this role like cold calling yeah. it's like an alien thing for them and you've you've got a show on it right yeah like how did you get into that knack of just getting over the fear of getting on the call being whoever you needed to be to have that conversation how did you muster that up Omar there was no fear about it like it's just what you do like I, I, I knocked on doors <laughs> do you know what I mean as a 17 yeah. year old like you're knocking on doors and you're pointing to walk into people's houses with a technique that you used to use, right? Like, what's picking up the phone? Mm. Like, door-to-door -door is the, and that was never scary for me, like, door-to-door -door is the purest form of sale, right? It is the hardest. You're in front of someone, you, you they've never met you, you've got to find a way to get into their house, yeah. have a cup of tea and sell them. Like, if you can do that, then, like, picking up the phone isn't, isn't hard. Like, it was never, I was never like, oh my God, I've got to pick up the phone and do something. Yeah, um, and maybe it was a bit raw and I was naive, and I just did it. Didn't care. Yeah, They're like you know, I need to make money. I didn't really give a damn about nothing else, and I was gonna do what I needed to do. So there was never a fear. It took time to get good at it, but yeah, I never had a fear of it. Love that, love that. And as you mentioned, you know, like going through different positions, like commission was capped. You even tried to launch your own business, bringing your brothers on board. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you're, you're having different experiences of like going through sales experiences going through tough points, having successes, having winnings. And I can start to feel you're starting to build up this inertia of driving you forward because you've got a goal of, you know, you want to earn money, you want to have what you want to have. And you came to that point of, right, if I don't get a job and I don't get an income, I can't pay my rent. So you're like, you've hit like skid row if you're not careful. Like what happened at that point? Um, I just said I got to do it. Like it wasn't, I don't think it was a case of breaking down and thinking, oh my God, it, like, it was just the fact that if I stopped, then I wouldn't hit that target of starting by that start date. Like I knew I had to start by the start date, right? And I had so I knew I had to get as many interviews in as absolute possible. Um and try and get that that start date. So I just applied to as many roles as possible, performed the best I possibly could, had some arguments in some interviews, 
um, and managed <laughs> to get that start date. And when I was negotiating, I couldn't really say, I need to start now because I need to get paid by then. I was like, yeah. I can't really say that. So you've got to kind of finesse it out and say, you know, I've got a couple of other opportunities. And one of the decision making projects for me is starting at this particular date because mm. I get into it. Um, and I use that as the way for them to push my start date, like in two weeks or, or before, rather than pushing out later instead yeah. of saying, if I don't start, I ain't got no money to pay my rent. Yeah, yeah. And to be totally transparent with yourself and our audience here, so back end of last year, um, through my own business, I had a client which I lost, and that was the only client that I had. And I had this big fear of, shit, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to have to look after my boy? Yeah. That was my first thing that came in. And I had to say to myself, maybe I have to close down my business and go look for a job, like a full, yeah. go back into being a full-time employee. Um, and it took a lot of letting go of my ego and having a reality check of like, if I don't get something, I ain't going to be able to pay my rent, right? This happened only a couple of months ago, dude. So applying for jobs, and to your point, I need to get something in by as soon as start date, because as soon as I get that like start date, then I can get that salary, then I can pay my rent. And it took me through a very humbling experience, Omar. So I spoke to a lot of companies, got a lot of rejections, you know, had a lot of uh, discussions where, you know, they think, yeah, I don't think you're a fit for this. And I'm like, do you know who I am? Like what I can do. Yeah. But I had to let go of that because they didn't know, you know. Yeah. Um, but thanks to God, like I did find something. I'm, I'm in a better place now, so I'm very grateful for that. But I get that feeling of you need to pay your bills. And if you don't, you're screwed. Yeah. So, you know, you live in a state of fear. But to your point, you got to get it in. So what happened? Did you get it in or how, how did you get it in? I got it in. Like I had a lot, a lot of interviews with a few different recruitment I was, I was very specific in my approach, right? I, I thought, I've heard there's a lot of money in recruitment. That's where I'm going to go. Um, maybe I should look to other sectors, but I was super specific, right? And I said, this is what I'm going to do. So I, I looked at all the recruitment companies in Birmingham. Um, a lot of them at the time, like people forget, like back then, people were only looking for graduates to hire. Mm. Right. It was like, there's a lot of rejection even before I got in there. But I knew once if I got in front of people, I'd have a chance, right? Because I knew yeah. no one come across what I know. Um, so I got a lot of rejection, even in interviews as well. Um, there's a lot of arguments about how oh, you don't have a degree, you got a good grades at college, why don't you go? And there's was just all this like it was it was confrontational, like really like like look at my ability, look what I've done, and like, mm. you know what I mean, like and there was a lot of that going on. But um, eventually ended up with like three offers come in um which is good like it's all in two-week process i just finessed it i said like i've got the opportunity you need to put me now and i, and I kind of sped up the process um said i've got this and they the recruitment know the sketch right they know they have to push people through yeah so pushed it through pushed it through had three offers took the one that i just went with my gut i said i like these people i like the setup uh, i was the youngest in the office um like they uh, they were just cool it was a big company. I went to work for a big company at the time. Never had them before. So it started. And luckily, I got, I got that payment. So I was able to um, Yay! survive another month. And then it, it just went on from there, really. So obviously, like um, going into that industry of recruitment, there must have been some key takeaways for you, Omar. Like, what were the main things for you? Like going into a bigger company, doing this role, being able to pay your rent, and now working in recruitment. What was that like for you? Uh, super interesting. Um, Key takers, one of the things that I kind of was exposed to was the not the not so good things about working in a big company, which was uh, KPIs for KPI's sake and, and metrics and having to do certain things that weren't conducive to the role, like having to report on certain things that weren't beneficial for me, but were beneficial for the business on a higher level, right? And that and that I know it's a lot of red tape and to get things moving, it took a lot of time. 
those are some of the ne- it was good to experience that right but mm-hmm. those are some of the, the, the negatives there but um, honestly I took away more good than bad I think that's where I developed a, a, a mad work ethic because six months in they set up a new division called Exec Search and the manager then was like my temp manager before and he was saying it open he was like yo you wanna come you wanna come join us like it's gonna be hard but the deal sizes and the commission gonna be way better once you get it off the ground and mm-hmm. Like one thing I noticed through my career, whether I knew or not, I always took, and this is a good thing, but I didn't do. I don't know if I did it conscious or consciously. I always took the more difficult option because that was mm-hmm. appealing to me. So the opportunity to build out an exec search division, you know, work with like CEOs and the C level and build out a whole new thing, I didn't realize how it was going to be. But I was like, yo, <laughs> that's something sick. Yeah, uh, a little time it was super hard. So one thing I, in terms of strategic perspective, I really learned how to speak to like sea level and and build out new markets and new regions at quite a young age like the things i was doing was quite advanced um mm. you're saying but whole new division right and i had to experiment or work out what sectors were working what sectors weren't working um so i did all of that stuff which massively helped in the setting up of trainio yeah back then i think i spent like four years doing that and i was the, the second member on the team right so it's quite an integral part of it so from a strategic perspective i learned a lot around like identifying what sectors are good, what sectors not to go for, how to build out new markets from scratch, from the bottom up, developing relationships, mapping organizations. I remember by the end of it, like I was looking at the packaging sector. I had, this, I had about 10 different CEOs in my mobile numbers of all different organizations, right? And that, nice. that was quite powerful. Like I knew everything about it. So I became yeah. a proper expert. So that was that was probably the biggest thing I took away. Like the, the the work ethic was insane that I had to develop, but also strategically I had to build that new markets and ultimately like many businesses from mm. the ground. But that's what I took from it. From the I, love that. I love that. And, you know, like a key piece that you said there about, you know, sp- learning how to speak to the sea level, rubbing shoulders with these people, having them on the speed dial, right? Yeah. And I think when I speak to a lot of SDRs, whether they're prospecting or, you know, they're applying for jobs and et cetera, and a lot of the time they're they're focusing on manager level or say director level. And a question I always ask them is like, why don't you go higher up? Like, why don't you speak to like C level in your prospecting and your approaches? And they're like, oh yeah, but they're the C level. I'm like, yeah, but those are the people that make the decisions. And they're like, what's what's the fit? And it's this seniority thing that scares them, I think, sometimes yeah. because they see a title of CEO. And a lot of the time I say to them, I'm like, well, you're talking to a founder, you know, I'm not a dick, I'm just a normal human being. And I remind them that these people go home, they've got families, they watch TV, they put their feet up, they're just people, but they do have a job title. And I'd love to get your opinion on this. For somebody that, you know, rubbed shoulders with those C-level people, what advice would you give to younger people to reach out to co-founders or company leaders or have discussions with C-level people? What advice would you give them? Um, I only found it simpler to like easier to have those have conversations with people at that level um they were less harsh they're more understanding and they're more like straight up and I, I honestly this was the strangest thing that i learned at a very young age i could be more myself and have a normal chat with like a ceo or an md of an organization than mm. with uh with a director or a manageable person they those comments are much more formal and much more strict and like they were a lot harsher whereas CEO guys, I could chat to them like, I'm nice. Like, oh, can you give it? It takes it. They'll text me saying, "Nah, nah, nah I'll text you about it later." Like, yeah. I could never have that with a, and I not really talked about this sort of stuff. I could never have that sort of interaction with a director or manager level. There is, 
there is an ego thing sometimes with mm. that position, right? People don't really talk about that when they're prospecting. So mm. I actually think it was easier for me to have, I, what I realized at the age of 20, 21 was like these CEOs and MDs are chatting to me on a level and these directors and managers sometimes talk to me like I'm a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> no one talks about that, right? But it's, yeah. like, it's like an unspoken rule in itself. Yeah. Well, I would say um, you're probably you're probably gonna you, you know you're gonna have to be more straight to the point and obviously look at more of a business perspective in the conversation. But they'll pre- you probably have a more if if you can get the, the the messaging right, you'll probably have a better conversation with someone at a C level because they'll be more understanding. Mm. Uh, it'll be less harsh, and you can get better decisions, right, from someone like, if you call me instead of calling Liam, who are you going to get a better conversation with? Mm-hmm. Right? So I think it's the, it's just a putting on the pedestal. Yeah. Like, like, don't put them on a pedestal. They're just no person. Be really meaningful in your approach to them. Um, and don't be afraid to, like, ask questions and then have a conversation and poke and prod. Like, mm. get respect. I love that. Spoken like a, a true leader, dude. I absolutely freaking... And you're right, because... The C-level people, they are in the business because they are people people. Their job is to either manage people, lead people, empower people, or guide people. So just, you know, speak to them on a normal level. And you're right. Most of the co-founders and CEOs that I've met over my time, they are just nice people. Some are not, some are cool. And I have noticed, like, coming in either, either as a consultant and I'm working with VPs or directors, there is sometimes a bit of a chip on the shoulder uh, and they're like, Neil, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. And I'm just like, well, that's not the discussion I had with co-founder X or, you know, like they're pretty cool and chill with me. Like, why are you talking to me like that? But I humble myself and I don't mention it. But when I meet up with a co-founder, I'm like, yeah, so what's this guy's issue and problem? Like, why is he talking to me like this? I said, oh, do you know what? Like, he's really worked hard for this and you're kind of an outsider that's coming in, but don't yeah. take it personally, Neil. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. I've been there, I understood that. Um, but coming back to yourself, dude, um, like hitting like, a, I can see here, like, 2018 uh, hacker rank you've donned the title sales development rep you've kind of started now going into sdr life how did you make that transition from recruitment to the gig of sdr so after huxley i went to a smaller recruitment company right the pilio again this when i say I choose the harder ones i generally do i had a few different offers because i you know i think after four years at a big company at huxley you've got plenty of options people know you're not going to last if you're shit right Mm. Those options, uh, didn't you the highest paid one? It was a small run business and I was going in there to build out a whole new outbound function. Basically okay. from scratch, they, they were relying on inbound business for how many years? So they asked me to come in, do my research and try and find a new sector, right? Like <laughs> no guidance whatsoever. Oh, all right, cool. So that's an activity. So then, uh, I did my research and that's where I came across SAS. Like I'd never heard of SAS before. Like tech, to me, like I sound from Brom, like working class, no degree. I heard of the word tech, but. Mm. But we talk about it like it's some mythical place where you, <laughs> sort of like, fantasy land. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Yeah, making dough, but then they're like Oxbridge and they're amazing. And I was like, oh, fuck, I ain't gonna be able to do that. But then I, I researched it, um, and from a recruitment perspective, it's a perfect market. Like your entry level roles and your, even your mid level sales roles have really chunky salaries, which means you're charging twenty percent, which means fees, but there's also volume there as well. Like volume and fees are the, are the two real big things, right? And there seem to be a kind of a shortage in the, in the market as well on the time so it's a perfect market to build out so that, that's when i started building out um literally became like an expert on everything and then all the SaaS companies how they operate what they do yeah um and that's where i kind of saw like the bias in the process as well like it was pretty clear and no one talks about this it's pretty clear that it's certain people only making it through the yeah. the interview processes um 
it was anyway, it was blatantly only degree educated people, right? All the agencies advertised just pure grads. Um, so I, I kind of saw that, um, and that's when I realized as, that's when I realized like the reason agencies only look at grads and only look at certain profiles is because that's what companies want. So mm. we can't blame agencies for that because they're going to follow the money, right? So yeah, the businesses want that. The agencies are not going to challenge them, right? And I, whenever I tried to challenge it, I'd have conversations. It would just be like, yeah, 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 but then they still do the same goddamn thing, right? So that's when I kind of saw the biases in the process. Um, and then I had a kickoff with that owner as well. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, fuck this, I'm gone. Yeah. So then uh, this time I never had any sales. I needed to say the job, right? So I was like, oh, shit, I can't just have my notice the last time. I was a bit mature. Yeah. Fuck, okay. So then I just started applying to loads of SDR roles. Like I reached out to my connections. Not one of them came back to me. You know, your, your network is your network, right? Yeah. Like to me. Um Applied to the roles, I was getting rejected, left, right, center. Talent teams didn't want to know, didn't want to know me. Agencies weren't going to look at my profile, right? I wasn't even getting to it. Like, mm. and, and what what was that doing to your mindset? Because similarly, like when I was job hunting back end of last year, yeah, and like I was having recruiters or ATS systems saying like, you have not been selected, you have not been making it through to the next round. And I'm like, really? Like, come on, dude. Like, I, I can do shit for you. It does. It, it screwed my head up a little bit with my confidence. Like, how is it affecting you, Omar? I don't think it, it really affect me at the time. Like I, I kind of knew I'd have to work hard. Like I would, at this point, I'm used to having to work hard and living on else anyway. Mm. Like I'm never gonna get the rub of the green, right? Um, Personality wise, maybe background wise, I'm never gonna get that. So for me, it's just I don't know. It's just normal to have to. I'm not saying he's right, but mm. my mindset is like I know I have to be better, work harder than anyone else to get the same thing. So it's just like you just keep going, right? And then so yeah. I just. It's like prospecting my way into a job. Like I thought no one did that back then. So I was like call calling and emailing sales directs directly. Um, and they were like, yeah, actually fucking hell. Like, and I was like, you know, your TA team, <laughs> your TA team's just rejecting me, right? And you asked me yeah. for an interview. So then that's how I got in and I got multiple offers by the end and I negotiated a pretty good entry level salary at that time. Um, so that whole process took about three weeks. It wasn't a lot, but just a lot crammed in. And then got the job offer two days later, went down to London, got an apartment, moved in on the Sunday, started job on a Monday. Nice. And... It's like story of my life, but yeah, I've really quickly and, and and loved it, right? I went in there. It was it was a shock in the sense I didn't really have an onboarding. Um, mm. I didn't use any tools for the first quarter. Like my onboarding was listen to the guy sitting next to you, right? I'd just crack on. I was like, what the fuck? But then I and I just I hit like I think one twenty percent of my my quarter. I think I hit more than like ramp truck SDRs. Mm. But that was because I was doing it all manually. Like I had a mad work ethic. I was using, I was using Excel. Word, I had like, I created cadences before like sales, laugh and out, which were a thing when I was in recruitment. So yeah. I'd use Excel as my CRM and my cadence. I'd have all my content on Word documents and I just put wicked process in place um, and just hammered it out. And then I realized the next quarter, like shit, I've got all these tools that can automate it all. <laughs> oh, showed me, right? It took me a bit of a while to get used to yeah. all the tools, but... Yeah, it was, it was like coming from like recruitment and, and pure outbound recruitment, which is like pretty much what I used to do. It wasn't like, this was much nicer, right? Like I could come in flexible working. I was wearing shorts and a tee to work. Instead of like, you know, all these little things that people don't feel for granted, right? I was like, well, I can come into work when I want. I can leave early. You know, I go to the mosque on Friday. I can do what I want and I'm hitting numbers and no one really cared. And I was like, this is just, for me, it was like, wow, like who the fuck? I'm making this money. I'm chilling. My life has changed. I'm blessed. It was like, wow, like this is a, this is a game changer. Yeah. 
And curiously, like, you know, like when you were speaking to your old man before about when he was questioning what you're doing with your career and where you're going, like, as you then got into tech industry and you're, you know, having this lifestyle, you've got this money, you've moved to London, like, what was your family thinking out of curiosity? Were they questioning or how did they take it? No, I mean, my family let me do, obviously, they let me move when I was 20 years old, so they pretty much let me, like, you, when you move, once you move out, no one, no one can tell you what to do anymore. That's kind <laughs> of like the thing, right? Like, what are you going to do, keep me in the house? I'm already out, mate. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, obviously, we're from the same movie background, right? And I think from yeah. a society perspective, what you, like, if you're not a, if you're not a doctor or you're not, a, you haven't, yeah. you're not an accountant, you haven't got like a job title like that. Whatever you do is never really going to be interesting. Mm. Um, and if you don't live the traditional lifestyle of mortgage and finance, you're never really going to... Like, even now, my parents probably still think about bump. Like, my dad's still... Bump. Yeah, same, same. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so they don't really pay any interest. Like, they think of, they all got a business, but they don't know what the hell it is. They yeah. don't just think I go to gym every day and that's it. And <laughs> right, times a day. So, um, yeah, they never really, really understood what this space is. It's not really a good space to kind of be in. But they're, like... Just let me do what I want, then it? Yeah, yeah. That, I, I can definitely write. So, like, for uh, for the listeners and audience and watchers out there, so having a Bangladeshi background and coming from an Asian community, to, to Omar's point, a lot of us growing up, it's this thing of being a doctor, being a lawyer, being in, like, a high-class profession, which is well-paid. Um, and at a young age, that just looked boring to me. I was just like, I don't want to do that stuff. But my dad and mum's like, well, you have to do it because such and such have done it, and you need to do this, and you need to have, you need to have a family, da 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 and I was like me and my sister considered like black sheeps of our family because we just never listened to them and we always argued with them and then we did our own thing. And I pressed it, oh, you always do what you want to do. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and then like, you know, launching a business, going into sales, like my dad, like he, he, he was an accountant, very fearful. And he just said, it's the wrong thing you're doing. You shouldn't be doing this. And, you know, six years on still doing it. And my mom is happy with it because I'm earning. And I've got some sort of status and she thinks, okay, well, that's good. He's doing his own company. He's fine. He's happy. And she talks to all the other aunties. And then sometimes I sit there when I go visit them. I said, oh, yeah, Neil's been to America. Neil is doing this. He's doing that. And I say to mom, I was like, mom, what do I do? She was like, you help people. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> she doesn't fully understand what it is. And I'm just like, all right, cool. And the funny thing was uh, because my sister, she's recently transitioned into sales. She used to work for local authority. She's now become an AE. And I was like, yeah, you finally got it. It took you 10 years. But like, well done. Welcome to the crew, mate. Yeah. Um, but come, sorry, coming back to yourself. So doing this SDR gig, seeing this life of tech sales, it's really amazing. What was the, the brainchild? How did it come about with Trainio and yourself? And how did that start off? Um, yes. So when me and Sonal, I met Sonal years ago, right? When I was working in recruitment, about 10 years ago, right? Seven years ago. And we always said, we're going to do a business together one day. We don't know what it is, but one day, they're going to do business straight because we got on pretty much straight away. Uh, mm. You know me. So we're going to do a business. And I was like, yeah, yeah, one day. We'll see what we do, but we don't know. Uh, and then he was approached by another business to, and as me and Sonal got followed, he kind of came with me throughout my career. And then, we took and then he was approached by another person to set up like, a different version of a bootcamp business where they used to charge people on the mm. front, right? Someone says, yeah, kind of came a co-founder of that and they realized the CEO was a scam. He was shit. Oh, no. Um, so then suddenly the mutiny. <laughs> the guys and the guy that set up trading on the list, pestering me for about four months, says, yo, look, we can do so, we can do so. And then um, I think he just hit me up. And then I think I was at the gym and then I said a wave. I was like, you know what? All right, this if we'll join if 
we don't charge people. We go down this route and this angle, fair end. Um, and he was like, yeah, fuck it, why not? I like, that's how we made decisions, right? It was just like a two-minute conversation. And then I was like, yes, yeah, Steve, I was, I was rolling my hamstring at the gym, and I was like, all right, safe, let's do it. Um, and that was pretty much it. So um, we came together. We saw the opportunity to, like, we know in sales it's hard. People don't like it. People aren't trained properly. You're not set. We both experienced that, and then we both experienced what it was like to not have the same opportunity as everyone mm -hmm. else. And we both knew what it was like not to know about tech either. And then I think with every startup, you go back, all your experiences kind of lead you to why you want to do it, right? Like, I know what it's like to not have a degree. I know what it's like from a disadvantaged background. And looking at looking on into the superior world, if you like, and not knowing there's a route in there. I know what it's like being born in different countries and each country is massively disadvantaged and stuff like that. So I think all your experiences lead you to wanting to do something to to make the world a better place, right? And to, to make money at the same time. So mm. all those experiences led me to saying, all right, so this is where we'll do it. And he agreed. And then we, we kind of just worked on it, right? I mean, I was still working at a business. He was still working at the business. Um, we both flew out to different countries. Mm. We both left our jobs. We had 3K in the bank account. And we both met up in Colombia and cracked on, basically. I love that, dude. That's such a cause. And here, here's the weird thing, Omar, right? So I was literally having a call before this recording with somebody who's going to be a future guest who actually has recently started out with Trainio. Huh? And just for privacy, I'm not going to mention that person's name, but we can discuss it after this later. Uh, but this guy is, you know, he's a great BDR manager. And he was also telling me that he's on the cusp of, you know, creating his personal brand. He wants to help a lot of people. He wants to help influence the sales community. And he said he kind of wants to do what I'm doing and what you're doing. Yeah. And he asked me, he was like, what, what advice would you give me? And I said to him, he said, like, Neil, you've been around the block for a while. Like, how did you start or how did you focus on what you're doing today? And I said, here's the thing. My experience of being an SDR, I found when I went into a lot of tech companies, the sales training was always focused on 360 sales. They never really gave a shit about the SDR person. A lot of these SDRs coming on board are given two weeks shit on boarding and then expected to bring in deals and yeah. book meetings. And I said, that was a really horrible experience to go through. And I said, I didn't want that for other people that are coming into this. So my why was giving back what I never got and giving it to people that are coming into it today. So find what you were lacking when you were coming into this. And if you can focus on that niche, that's what you can be known for. So for me, it's helping those new SERs like with this show. It's helping people understand how you get into this, how you get comfortable with it. Um, and to your point, like your experiences with Sunil, where, you know, you had these experiences of a disadvantaged background, not having that education behind you. And now you're helping people that are going through a similar journey. I think that's, you know, amazing. Um, and that really tr rings true. So a lot of respect for what you're doing. And I love the way that you're helping people. And you're doing it with somebody that you loved. And, you know, the way that you guys decided things, just like, cool, bro, let's just run with it. Let's do it. And this is freaking amazing. Like two years on, the business is growing, it's thriving. I've seen a lot of great people come from Trainio. I've met a lot of people from there as well. Um, how has it changed from what it started to what it is today? Like, what are the main differences you see, Nomar? Oh, a lot. Um, <laughs> quality of the processes and the program, obviously, is going to increase with more heads and, and iteration. It's It's very different to what we started out with we have a, we have additional sessions um, we have grading now in place we have the accelerator program in place with people prospect for real mm -hmm. um, so we're always looking at ways to make the program better to increase like 
not just the learning ability, but also the, the outcomes for the students as well. Um, we transitioned from an agency business to a SaaS business. Now, yeah. think of like an Indeed for pre-trained diverse SDRs and we've got big, big plans to develop that side of things. Mm. Um, we've launched now our SDR training platform because someone in business will be like, well, you've got like all this amazing shit. Can we onboard and train our folks on it? I was like, I safe. Why don't mm. for free last year? So I'm going to charge people for it now. Yeah. platform piece so we've now got an SDR hiring platform we've now got an SDR training platform um, so the business model has completely changed from where it was last year and from a personal perspective me and someone were talking about it before we've we've changed as people massively we weren't we're not the same people we were mm. years ago like I don't know what the fuck we were doing like <laughs> if the son and Omar of today started training you two years ago we'd would be so far ahead no one would have a chance um so now you i mean i guess that right you're kind of in a position of playing catch up yeah. but from a personal perspective you if anyone is going to go on this journey you're going to change so much you won't recognize yourself yeah. by a year two years and that's just it's it's just something that happens as you go through that journey and you learn and you, you kind of grow and develop i love that you're, you're very right this uh when you go through these sort of experiences building companies, meeting new people, helping other people out. You do change as an individual. And I think if I was to go back five or six years ago, I wouldn't recognize well, that Neil wouldn't know who the hell this Neil is right now. And you'd be like, how the hell do you do that, dude? And she's like, it's just the journey, man. You just need to go on it and experience it. Um, and again, I'm a real big advocate for, for training. I, I send a lot of people your way, telling them when they're looking to get into tech sales. But for the listener and the watcher right now, who's you know completely unfamiliar with training, and again, listeners and watchers i'll be putting links to go check out trainio themselves as a business why would somebody come to you and what would they gain from like working with yourselves omar um in terms of coming to us it's to really set yourself up for greater success in the sdr role the whole point of what we do is not like if because we want to get your role but when you're on the boot camp it's not geared towards just interviewing and how to succeed in that process which a lot of programs are mm. it's all about making sure that you have the fundamental skills to get into role but get into role and stay there and smash it mm. as well there's no point in getting a job being shit and getting sacked or finding out it's not for you at the same time mm. as well so by coming on the training program you'll get insight from some of the best people in the industry, how often do you get access to VPs and sales directors and, and other kind of shit hot SDRs? Yeah. You get taught by absolutely the best people. You form an amazing community. You get to meet me, obviously, which is a nice thing. Um, <laughs> we set you up for success. It's not just about, and the big message I set, tell people on the program, it's not just about getting a job. It's mm. about becoming an exceptional SDR. So then when you do get that role, you'll kill it, you'll maximize your income, um, and you'll ultimately do well and progress better in your career. I think that's what it is. That's the big advantage that we have that no one else can can really offer. I love that, dude. And obviously, it's skills to help you pay your rent on time as well. Yeah, right? you, you need as well. Not a nice finish to be, man. Really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Um, and before, like, we kind of come towards the end of the show. The other piece that I wanted to ask is obviously, uh, for reference, ladies and gents, we're currently in May twenty twenty three, um, and the market is nuts at the yeah. minute right so jobs are sometimes hard to come by some people are getting laid off some people are going through recruiting processes i'm coaching a lot of SDRs that are getting ready to you know go for job interviews and whatnot 
But in your opinion, for somebody that's either been laid off or very worried about leaving a job they're not happy with because the market is so volatile, what advice would you give to them, Omar? Um, I think it can be tough out there. I'd say from your current interview processes, uh, don't take it personally, but try and understand why it didn't work and what you need to change moving forward because it, it, it will be an iteration process. Mm-hmm. Um, so just constantly focus on trying to get better at your interviews and, and trying to learn from what were, what were wrong the last time. And I think the biggest mistake people make when they're, when they're interviewing is the, the lack of effort. Um, most people just show up to the interview and think that's enough, but no one really goes the extra mile, right? No one creates a prospecting document. No one networks within the organization to get insights. Mm. Like you know, prospect your way into the role, go bottom up, get the information from the other SDRs and A's so that you can use that in your interview, right? If you know that they're typically struggling with no one's hitting call targets, then focus on that in your interview. Say, hey, I'm a, I'm a machine on the phone, right? I know that's mm. like make more of a rounded effort and treat every interview like a like an actual opportunity that you that you're booking. Network bottom up, get that information and use that higher up. Create those prospecting documents, create follow up documents or follow up processes after your interviews as well. No one really does that sort of thing. Yeah. Um people get confused, people get oh, I'm applying so many jobs and I'm so many interviews, but you're treating every single interview like a transaction. Yeah. Like, make sure everyone is an actual opportunity that you that you work like you're working on opportunity in sales. Solid advice, dude. Solid advice indeed. And you're right. Um, <laughs> being a former hiring manager, the amount of people that used to just come on to the Zoom or the Teams meeting and they were treated, there was no... I like people that would research me a bit, check me out on yeah. LinkedIn. I like to come into a meeting where I've heard this candidate has spoken to a couple of my SDRs or my SDRs have slapped me saying, hey, there's this guy or girl that's connected with me asking me a couple of questions. Is it okay to tell them anything? I said, yeah, tell them. Like, if they're asking of it, boom. And that person that knows the history of the business, like why this company was founded, et cetera, mm-hmm. what's the journey. And then I always love to hear of, you know, how would you see yourself using that tool or piece of software yeah. if you were an end user? I love hearing that sort of stuff versus, yeah, this is like my fifth interview of the week and, uh, you know, I'm just looking for an SDR role because I want to earn some money. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, one other thing I'd always say, right, and I never understand why people don't do this, is the questions that you're asking go a bit deeper than asking what's the culture like, what do you think makes a good SDR, actually mm. questions from a product and company strategy perspective, maybe not in the TA interview, but when you're talking to like the hiring manager or like a VP of sales dev, like ask them about the the product strategy, what features are kind of being developed, or they're selling to certain sectors, why are they selling to other sectors, maybe make mm. a suggestion. Like I love it when people interview and say, oh my, like, like you're selling here, but have you thought about selling here? Like I'm not, I'm not, I don't care if they're right or wrong, but they might not be the best suggestion, but yeah. the is they're thinking in a much deeper way that just no one else is. Mm. Right. Cause and they're that. showing a genuine interest in that yeah. then, right? And you're showing a deeper level of commercial thinking, which probably means you'll be able to understand the pains that your prospects are going to feeling at a later date as well. But no one really does that. People go in and ask what makes a good SDR? Mm. Um, what are your targets? How do I make my commission? Um, had feel fat. people just ask the same goddamn shit. Mm. If you ask those level questions, you'll be in the top ten percent, guaranteed. Solid advice, Omar. I love that. I freaking love that, dude. That's so freaking right. All right, well, sir, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And a question that I love to ask all of my guests: If you could have a chat with that young Omar who's knocking on the doors in Brum, 
trying to sell Sky and trying to do door-to-door sales and you have an opportunity to give him three bits of advice because he's just about to embark on this journey of life. Yeah. What three bits of advice would you give to that younger Omar? Um, stretching at the gym. Um, <laughs> yeah. Would have saved me a hell of a lot of injuries, I tell you. Um, uh, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd probably say, look, focus more on becoming exceptional at your craft. Um, mm. Money will always be important, but like money follows excellence, not the other way around. Um, I'd probably put a greater emphasis on on that. Um, I'd say from Perth perspective, something that I did well was develop a personal being honest, hardworking, and and decent with money. Like from a personal view, that those three key things I think that people know about you because that will lead to opportunities in itself and those three key traits probably five percent of people globally have mm. um those would be my three key pieces of advice stretch definitely. Like, that's important yeah definitely stretch 100 percent do and just for the listeners and watchers out there you obviously can maybe hear some background noises and i just wanted to pull this up not to like say this is a wrong thing but obviously omar is a founder within a business so you can hear the guy's devices pinging off so a lot of the time with SDRs when you're trying to message C-level people and they may not get back to you it's because they're inundated with messages and this is true to you can hear it like how much this guy has been contacted so just bear that in mind FYI everyone um another question that I'd love to ask you Omar is are there any shout outs or kudos that you'd like to give on today's show um yeah I'd say shout out to the the, the train your team it's, it's been tough right for, for everyone but they've got through it um got some amazing things coming up as long as we can we can execute on them um so shout out to liam paula and jordan um and if you're an sdr watch out for liam as well man he's probably the best sdr in the game right about now if anyone wants to challenge him on a call calling competition then hit me up <laughs> i love that i love that big shouts out to all the trainer family 100 percent so listeners, watchers, subscribers, thank you so much for joining us on today's chapter. As a reminder, you'll be able to find out more information about Omar and Trainer by visiting the show notes where I'll be putting all links in. If you're listening to this in our local podcast platform, please give us a rating, like, and subscribe. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please like, comment, subscribe down below. But Omar Sadiq, co-founder of Trainio, been an absolute pleasure and blast. I know I'm going to see more of you in the near future. I have an awesome week, my dude, and happy selling. Yeah. All right. Peace out. Thanks, Neil, Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR disco call one word at bcast which is b-c-a-s-t dot email and you'll be added to our mailing list we're also on the lookout for new guests so if you work in the world of sales development as an sdr bdr mdr or adr and feel that you have an important message or story to share feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'd love to have you on board